Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at those candles. Look at the growing number of candles on there. That can't be right, can it? One, two, three. Already? Really? You haven't done a countdown, have you, yet to uh, the big day? Already? Twelve days before Christmas Eve? I, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of stuff to do. And I'm going to run myself ragged doing it. What am I going to... Who needs all this stress, all this anxiety, all this worry? I'm, I'm kind of tuckered out, to be honest with you. But maybe I just need to change my perspective, and chances are you might need to as well. So instead of being a source of stress, the Advent wreath should remind you that the coming of the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The celebration of His first coming is close. And the angelic promise should ring loudly and gladly in our hearts and in our minds. You remember that, don't you? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Have you forgotten that glorious, joyful message in the midst of all your seasonal stress and your seasonal schedule? Have you forgotten the proclamation of the heavenly choir, the heavenly multitude, the heavenly host? We said glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on those whom his favor, his undeserved favor, by the way, rests. Those on whom his favor rests. As we rush and race and cross things off our list. It's so easy to forget this joy. To forget about the Savior, that little baby who was born, who was born to die for you so that you might have life in him. Irony of ironies, brothers and sisters in Christ, you forget and I forget at this time of year. <laughs> it's easy to forget this time of year. It's easy to forget even our temporal blessings, right? So today, Paul says, rejoice. He says, rejoice. It's easy to forget all of our temporal blessings. So I read a story recently of a woman who was in a grocery store with her friend. And they were doing some, some shopping, of course. And she was complaining to the friend because she's always cleaning up after the kids, right? Um, we can relate. Oh, who am I kidding? My wife is always cleaning up after us, all right? So the we, yeah, forget it. Anyway, always cleaning up after the kids. And she was complaining about all the stuff that needed to be done about around the house yet, right, for the holidays. And it wouldn't bother me so badly, she said, except it's always the woman who looks bad and is criticized when the house is the mess. And she kind of went on and on and on until someone else in line behind her kind of interrupted. And she said, excuse me. Do you know how blessed you are? I lost my two children in an auto accident not that long ago. My house stays clean. The laundry is put away. The dishes are done. 
There are no fingerprints on my walls. There's no toys in the halls to step on. No stains on the carpet. But there's also no more hugs or kisses. There's no more I love you moms. What I would give to be going through what you are right now. Do you know how blessed you are? I wouldn't care how my house looked. I would be happy just to have the kids there. Rejoice. The Apostle Paul has that message for us today. But it's not just about counting your blessings because this is joy in the midst of, as we discussed on Tuesday, real sorrow. So what about that person who has lost a child or that person who has been recently let go from a job? How can rejoicing be on your lips? For the person with a cancer diagnosis, a recent one, dealing with family problems and dysfunction, family dynamics, can you rejoice? Because Paul doesn't say count your blessings, although we certainly should. That helps to put things in perspective. He doesn't say count your blessings. Paul doesn't say get over all your sorrows. Paul doesn't say, when you smile, the whole world smiles with you. He doesn't say that. Paul writes, rejoice. But here's the thing. He doesn't stop there, okay? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) It's pretty important. Rejoice in the Lord. And he doesn't just say rejoice in the Lord. He says, Rejoice in the Lord. What's the next word? Always. And then he tells us why. The Lord is near. The psalmist assures us that God is very much there in times of trouble, right? Psalm 46, where the whole world is falling apart. God is very much there in times of trouble. But in the tragedies of life, shoot, even in just the grind of life, daily life, we forget. I forget. You forget. We forget. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. I know we, from time to time, get sentimental about His coming. We look, you know, in the past and we pray for His return. But we can relegate those to things that are not really uh, applicable to our life right now, right? Not really applicable to our life right now. It only happened in the past. It's going to happen in the future. But that's not what Paul means. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is near. In the person of Jesus Christ, the Lord has come near to you now. The word and sacrament, the word and sacrament, he comes to you today to offer you forgiveness of sins, to restore you, to give you peace. In him, you have a completely restored relationship with God. It has been completely restored. You not only have access to God, you have 
that favor on whom God, you, you are that one on whom God's favor rests on account of Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for you. Giving that perfect life as an offering for your sin. He has brought you life and immortality. He has brought those things to light in your world. Not just as an action in the past, not just as a hope in the future, but God's favor now that rests upon you. And through Jesus and through faith in Him, it will always rest upon you. It will never change. It will never wax. It will never wane. Ever. God's favor rests on you, even in something horrific as the death of a child. God's favor rests on you, even as something as inconvenient, as scary as the loss of a job. God's favor rests on you, even when you get a negative diagnosis from the doctor. God's favor rests on you, even as we remain so focused on creating the perfect Christmas that we forget that we have been given a perfect Savior. Because you have a perfect Savior. Because you have a perfect Savior. You don't have to wonder, does God really love me or not? Does God see me? Does God hear me? Does God care? God does see. God does hear. God does care. Very much. And Paul encourages us, therefore, let your request, in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In everything, offer your prayer. You have to know that not all of your wants are going to be answered with a yes. Okay? But all of your needs, that's a different story. That's a different story. Maybe you've prayed and pleaded for God to never leave you alone. Maybe you've prayed for God to never stop calling you to come back home and to pray to God that when you return, you'll be welcomed. Maybe you've asked him not to lose patience with you. Maybe you've pleaded with him, never stop forgiving me. Never give up on me. And in Christ, all those prayers, all these hopes are a reality through faith. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul encourages you to do these things not to make God's love for you in Christ a reality. Paul encourages you to do these things because God's love for Christ in you is a reality. And that peace will get you through troubled times. That peace will allow you to, as we've been discussing and discussed on our midweek service, to rejoice even amid sorrow. I know it doesn't always feel like the Lord is at hand or that the Lord is near. 
And certainly the circumstances of Paul as he writes this letter dictates that, right? He doesn't write this from the halls of some mega church, you know, somewhere in ancient Palestine with thousands of people in the seats. He's not writing it from a fire, right, with a cozy warm drink in his hand, you know, on this comfortable piece of furniture. He's writing this letter from a dark, depressing dungeon, okay? But his confidence, his confidence for God's love for him doesn't rest in his circumstance. Instead, his confidence rests on what God has done for him in Christ Jesus. Paul knows that his days in the dungeon are numbered. Truth be told, Paul knows that his days are numbered, period, right? But he knows that his days with the Lord, those are unnumbered. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near now and always. And so Paul will rejoice in the Lord always. He will. Not just as a hope, but as a reality. And you too have that consolation. The days of your suffering are numbered. Paul puts it this way to the church in Corinth, and I think this is, this is really important. I, what I want you to see is it's, it's like comparing a grain of sand to uh, a big, huge boulder. Okay, It's like comparing a grain of sand to a big, huge boulder. Here's what he writes, all right? To put it in perspective for you. For this light momentary affliction, in other words, the, the sorrow of this life, this veil of tears, this momentary light affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Grain of sand, huge boulder. Right? 80, 70, 80, 60, whatever years, eternity. Right? In other words, the troubles of this life, the pains we endure, the sorrow we endure on this side of eternity pales into comparison for what awaits us in terms of joy in the Lord and what He has prepared for us. In terms of both quality and quantity, we're so busy tracing out the flows and ebbs of each little day that we forget. We forget the true joy of the Lord being at hand, of Him being near, and what it means for us. Not only for our future, but for our present. That's why we need the Word of God. Right? That's why John needed it in prison. The forerunner. Right? No one mightier than Him. No one greater. Still needed that Word of God to come to give him joy amid his sorrow. We need that word to know that he is at hand, that God loves us, and that he is near in all times and in all places. Rejoice in the Lord always. The celebration of our Lord's birth is near. His return is near. At least one day nearer than it was yesterday. As we gather in His name, He has promised to be near. And yes, in all those places, in all those times when we have sorrow, He is near 
as your spouse takes a dying breath. He is near, very much there in times of trouble. As you struggle to make ends meet, He is near, very much there in times of trouble. In your helplessness and despair and doubt, He is near, very much there in times of trouble. In overwhelming circumstances where you feel like you're just done, He is near, very much there in times of trouble. And in His church, through His means of grace, He is most certainly near. He is most certainly at hand. With God being so close. With God being so close to him and with God being so close to you, Paul gives that exhortation. Rejoice in the Lord. Always, I will say it again, rejoice. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.